looking out for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101. California, here we come, right back where we started from. California. Welcome to the OCD, bitch, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at the seminal underrated primetime soap opera of the early aughts the oc i am your host as always and with me is my boon companion the one the only the ryan i feel like um if you can say always because it's really most of the time but just like say it normal because it's not always and so if you hit always that hard i think it's a little it's a bit of a lie is it a lie because it's always it's not always i have hosted episodes so how could it be always I've missed two. That's always. Oh, it's like always is like a dark blue dot, and then there's a lighter pale blue that surrounds that. Right. So no, that's true. If, if you just say always, but instead you hit always so hard that it really felt like it was a hundred percent true. So just like gotcha. just you know casually say the word. Don't like hit it so hard. So okay. So welcome to those videos. The show we're doing. That was over there. So look at the seminal nine problems over there. Let's see. I'm your host as always, Mike. And I, that- and I'm Ryan. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. Um, you are always the host, and I appreciate that. You're a good host. Thank you. I think every podcast should start off with the panel complimenting the host. No, wait. The other two fucks are infecting my brain. I, that can't be the pop filter way. Should it be flipped where the host compliments the panelist? Yes, panelist, you are looking quite svelte today. I like how accurately I can see your six-pack. Do you, do you, should we go into what I'm wearing today? Yeah, I, uh, yeah it's, it's, uh, how would you, do you want me to describe yeah, it? Yeah, go for it. It's a, a forest green tea, and then wrapped around it, you have you do have a red belt mm-hmm. with R for Ryan, mm-hmm. and then you've shoved two giant forks into the red belt. Oh, okay. And it, it seems like you've cut uh, the torso, the front torso, out of the t-shirt, so it's just your weird, flat, nippleless, uh, shell-like stomach. I see how you're confused. Um, you're, you're, you're not sure what's real and what's fake. Uh, I am wearing a shirt not with... The Ninja Turtles on it, or a Ninja Turtle, but it's a shirt where it looks like it's my head and then Raphael's body, uh, and you think that some of this is my actual body. That's oh. that's yeah, that's the problem. I was wondering why you had such big forks. The best part about this shirt, that again is Raphael's torso, is I will put it on in the mirror and then I will stick my head out of the head hole, and it's like I'm a fucking turtle. <laughs> that's what turtles do, Mofo. That's what turtles that's do. Just what turtles do. Turtles be turtling. Turtles always be turtling. Uh, there's no shell on the back, though. Why do you think they neglected to put that? Oh, there is. It's a tiny. It's Okay, that shell is so much tinier than that torso. I've never actually seen it. Um, this is a shirt, and I am, as we've talked about before, in my uh, mid-20s going on my late 20s, going on my late 60s. Am I right? Um, and it, I'm, I, we're in a society now where nerds can wear nerd shirts, and that's fine. And this shirt is so egregiously nerdy and like distracting that it's, it, it is a bridge too far. I can't wear this shirt in public. Be, because just everything about it? Because it is a child's Halloween costume as a t-shirt? Right, yes, it is, really. Like, this is a poor kid's Halloween costume. Uh, poor kids, of course, have to go trick-or-treating. That's how they feed their family for the next three months. Um, but yeah, if I had... A, do, you, do you have a Ninja Turtle shirt? No. But like, if you did, if it just said like Ninja Turtles and it had the four teenage bros, that would be totally mm. fine in today's day and age and the person that you are. This is something else. Yeah, I used to have, in the early aughts, a bright yellow t-shirt in a way that no shirt should be. And then there was, like, a red 
ketchup looking splatter around the torso up to the chest and then a smiley face like on the ribs watchman wasn't big then no yeah and people just look like i looked like a fucking asshole it made no sense and even today that watchman is huge uh it's still a bad shirt because it's a bad shirt color Uh, yeah i've also seen in that same vein um people with bright bright yellow t-shirts and hoodies with the uh the black zigzag around the gut Uh uh-huh um and the thing about that it's it's similar but different than the watchman one because it's just as bright and gaudy but people understand the reference and are still like, why? What like? Why? What are you doing right now? I do appreciate because like everybody, the OK Boomers of the world talk about how like our generation's too nostalgia crazy and we don't let anything go. There's certain things we've all decided to let go. And fucking Peanuts is one of them. Well, this is, I think this is a special one for you though. Like, I think it's happening. I think we are forgetting about Peanuts. But uh, we're doing it sort of organically. And you've been on this thing for a while yeah. now. Well, I want to forget about hating it. Fuck the peanuts. G.I. Joe, I think we've all kind of naturally forgotten, even though the movies want us to not. But nobody gives a shit about G.I. Joe anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, those were very, like, those movies did make almost no money. And Ninja Turtles is fun because even though it was huge at the time, it is almost cult nerd status still. Yes. Like, it's it's not huge now. So it's like, oh, you're like, you like the Magic the Gathering, too? Like, it's like that level of, like, deep, weird nerddom. There was a pretty successful Peanuts movie, like a... Uh, computer animated movie that came out like three years ago, five years ago, and it did okay, but I think it was for mostly kids who were like, oh, who are these new characters? Not kids who were like, oh, I've been following these like uh, existential weird fucking bald freaks forever in the newspaper. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Spies Like Us, Peanuts, all the new characters for kids. The other thing too, I think that like there's, G.I. Joe doesn't have any like archetypes, you know, like we have Charlie Brown archetypes and lucy archetypes which is just fucking cunt bully assholes uh uh-huh. and snoopy is still a thing i don't think gi joe has any of that shit snake eyes but like when your most memorable character is the one who doesn't talk ever it's a weird it's a weird way to everybody hitch their wagon to yeah it. i use that archetype when i say i wish more of my friends were like snake eyes <laughs> uh we should probably i guess at some point uh talk about the oc that's what we're here to do sure I think I think we're putting it off because this is this is a big deal. This is the fucking Super Bowl. This we have been. This is uh, episode like seventy six, seventy seven. We've been building this up, Mike, for fucking years. You've been screaming the words "the mall episode" at me since before the OCD was a podcast. It's just that anytime we'd go to the mall, you'd scream the mall episode. You wouldn't explain what it meant. And when I finally figured out it was a season two later episode of the OC, I thought it was a dumb way. That, how you talked about this show. It's the mall episode. That's a very Ryan way of describing something. The, the kids all hang at the mall. It's the mall episode. Because I'm an idiot. No, no, no. The, the creators of this show named this one the mall episode. No, this is straight up called the mall episode. Uh, every every single character says that word at some point. They just look around <laughs> and say, what is this, the mall episode? That wouldn't surprise me only because this and the next episode we're going to cover are some of the most fourth wall breaky moments the OC has ever had. Oh, yeah. like uh, I think that we get a picture into like what audiences were going through based on uh-huh. the OC reacting to that at the time. But yeah, the way Seth talks, and they've been turning him to Deadpool light for a while this season. He'll comment on the Valley a lot. And he's the one who let us know Laguna Beach was around in, in the middle of the second season of the OC. Uh, is that was Seth's overall Deadpool? Is that working for you? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, when he's doing that, 
it it takes me back to that time, which I appreciate. And also, he is not doing uh, like semi villainous, evil, manipulative mm-hmm. bullshit. He still has plenty of time for that. It's just not as much when he's it's doing just that. A yeah, less. it's a little less. You, you know what? Let's just stop farting around and dig in. This week on the Mopisode, after Lindsay moves to Chicago, Ryan is heartbroken and Caleb is confused. Seth, Summer, and Marissa invite Ryan to the local mall to get his mind off things, but things take a turn when they get stranded in the mall after hours. Meanwhile, Caleb tags along to Venice frustration when Sandy tries to make amends with Kirsten by searching for her lost wedding ring. Mean, meanwhile, Kirsten and Julie bring on a renowned editor for their new magazine, but at the same time, Julie's Riverside past catches up to her. All that and more on tonight's The O.C.D. Ryan, we will start as we always do, with the, the ending. Stuff. We will start with the ending. That's <sighs> Ryan is upset, kind of like I am right now. And Seth is trying to cheer him up by being like extra dweeby and annoying. But this is in the pool house, though, right? Yeah, this is in the pool house. Okay, so Breakfast Nook is not a place in the house. It's where things, be- wherever things begin, that's a Breakfast Nook. That's the Breakfast Nook. I understand. It's the start of their day and ours. Right. Uh, and and Seth knows that Ryan is serious because he, in the most serious way I've ever heard anybody, including in real life, say, shut up. It looks like he was about to Jim Gordon Seth's ass. Yes. Uh, this intro sort of has it all. It sort of has, like, it is like a uh, sort of, like, let's rethink about all the stuff that we love about the OC, which is it's Seth and Ryan. It's annoying Seth. It's Seth not understanding the, like, the temperature of the room. It's Ryan brooding. And we get it all, and it feels like it has been so long since we've had this. Um, but Ryan is less in the mood than Seth or we are and does this thing that people in real life never do. People in real life will just deal with annoying people and let them annoy, and Ryan just like pulls the covers off of his brooding head and says, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it it was harsh. It was wicked harsh, Ty. It was crazy. I've never seen, like, Luke has beat the shit and homophobe bashed Seth, and we've seen that, and this is the harshest thing I've seen happen to Seth on the show. If, if Luke punches Seth, Seth understands why that happened. That's just the nature of things. But Seth mm-hmm. double took. Like, I, didn't know, I did not yeah. know that that was possible in our relationship at this point. And then Ryan, because he's a good guy, apologizes, and he says uh, a very heartbreaking thing. He goes, I've had a lot of people in my life who've just left. I thought those days were over. And at that point, they talk a little back and forth, and then Seth goes, he's like, oh, I, I can just leave. N- not like that. That's, right. what the, that's a Sethism that really got me. Normally, the show thinks he's funny, and I do not. That was good. Yes. Uh, Seth, writers, Ryan, we all know that uh, – Ryan, we all know that uh, Seth wasn't – when he said, I'm leaving the room, um, that he wasn't going to drive to Riverside and leave Ryan forever <laughs> – but Seth's overactive brain, which I cannot relate to at all. You probably can because you're a fucking psychopath, but I cannot. Um, just kept continuing the back and forth of Ryan and Seth in his head and only did the Seth part. Uh, do you know how many like legitimate sweet moments in my life I've ruined because I can't stop the Seth part of my brain from right. doing that? Fuck. Just let a moment happen. And honestly, like... Uh, TV, all the violent TV has never taught me to be violent. All the sexist TV has never taught me, that I've watched has not taught me to be sexist. But all of the uh, cute guy puts foot in mouth and gets cuter, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's fucked me up. Because that's the thing that I think that I can also pull off. And oh my God, is it horrible. Well, only Hugh Grant can. <laughs> only Hugh Grant can pull that off and still look cute. 
They tried it with Chandler. They tried it with Seth. And those are two of the most hated pop culture people in pop culture history. Is a podcast hosted by Hugh Grant and Chandler Bing. Uh, is that something that you would absolutely listen to or that you would you try, but like it would be so heartbreaking and horrifying, you would throw your iPod across the room? I would listen to it, at least at least an episode, but I don't know. I'd probably puke through the phone and then go back next week. I was so afraid. You're like, is it sound a little something like this? And then we were going to have to do it. Could it be any more of a podcast? I'm British. Cool. It would sound like that. Good bidding, bro. Uh, take both parts. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for being a good partner. You figure out who the producer is, Dick Cheese. Um, we also get a setup, too, of Seth just dabbling in the fact that um, – things have the potential to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And real quickly, if I can, uh, I want to talk about why the mall episode is like sort of the perfect episode that would never go on like a top 10 list of episodes. Sure. Be- We've talked about before how the seasons have cycles and like uh, you're signed on. It feels like you're signed on for like eight episodes, like a quarter of a season, a half a season or a full season. Right. Uh-huh. And that's your storyline. And I feel like this mall episode happened because Lindsay and Rebecca's contracts are gone. Right. And uh, Carter, and we'll get to Carter, and we'll get to Lance, and we have not, like, tr- there's still barely a mention of Trey, but those are all about to happen. And right. the mall episode really stands out to me because they really took advantage of this one middle point of the season to fuck around and do whatever they wanted. And put the four back together, which Seth keeps screaming about. Right. And integrate the four back together. Uh, we'll get into, like, what this episode may be saying about like what people thought about the show, but Seth is annoying and awful and his strategies are terrible and he's like almost Dr. Doom, but it's hard to disagree with like, we are also thinking it was great in the first season and I miss when all this shit happened, you know? Right. So Seth walks out of the pool house and Ryan starts packing up to, it looks like to run away. He's going to go get Teresa pregnant. (laughs) That's what I do when I'm upset. Uh, (laughs) Even though, like, he's mad people running away, it just looks like he is running away. And then, meanwhile, flash forward to the physical breakfast nook, and this, the metaphorical breakfast nook. Uh, Kiki and Sandy are literally, like, running into each other to show how not in sync they are. Like, they're just, like, knocking bows. Uh, Well, neither one's in sync. Like, they're both around sync. Right. But, like, nobody actually gets in sync. And that's why things are so emotionally wrong for them. And... It's obvious. Kirsten refuses to believe nothing happened with Sandy and Rebecca. Right. Like, she just, she, he's like, nothing happened. And she's like, rolls her eyes and leaves the room. But, like, does this, does this ring true to you? Uh, we're both married men now to not each other. Uh, and when you're not connected, it's not like a little bit, it's like everything. Like, you run into right. each other, you mm-hmm. like uh, break dishes on accident. Like, you can't, like, you'll, you'll be in the middle of a, like, a, a civil conversation. We're going to pause the fighting for a second. This is going to be civil. And yet, even then, we don't know what the other one is talking about. Right. I'm talking about Murphy Brown. She's talking about Sybil. Like, <laughs> just nothing is lining up. Look, we talk about CBS shows in a particular order. <laughs> now it's Murphy Brown. Later is Sybil. Well, there's no point in talking about them both at once unless you're talking about the, the deeper CBS ecosystem that was going on at that time and place. Oh, I get it, you fucking asshole. Did I try to say have a civil conversation, but I accidentally said civil conversation? Is that what you're no, doing right now? Not at all. Uh there, the, there's an episode of The Office that captures that perfectly where when Pam is in New York at art class and her and Jim just keep leaving each other voicemails but they're right. missing each other's calls. And yeah, sometimes that shit just happens. And this little 
what it took the office 22 minutes to do, uh, OC did it in two minutes. And I think what you're supposed to do is just understand what's going on and take a deep breath and know it w- things will get back to normal. But mm-hmm. what I like to do is uh, say, oh, this is now the fight, and then just blow it up <laughs> way out of proportion. Break even more plates. So they're upset. That's what's going to be going on with them for the episode. We flash to now Seth and Summer. Seth gets two because he is, I guess, ostensibly the main character. He's telling Summer, he's like, well, even though he's ignoring that Marissa is in a relationship and she's living with somebody, he's like, maybe Lindsay's gone. Ryan and Marissa could get back together. And this is why Summer is the MVP of the entire show. She goes, are you crazy? They were like the worst couple ever. Okay. And they so, were. This is a very important line that we're going to keep coming back to. Um, because it's on TV, because they're sort of iconic, because the show, when you think of the OC, you think of Ryan Mar- and Marissa, you, you start to have these warm feelings until you actually think about it. And Summer's 100% right. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking disaster. It's emotionally draining for everybody. It's unhealthy for literally everybody involved. It was the worst for them especially. They're both way better off now. But Seth has got this thing where, like, if the four of us are at the table, he's got a River uh, Riverdale thing. Uh-huh. If the core four, four. Yeah, the core four. If we're all at the table, it pops. Then wouldn't it be great if we were all fucking each other as well? Yeah, well, yes, for all of us involved. Uh, and then, so we flash to Marissa, uh, who Seth is ignoring is in a relationship. And Alex is pissed because Marissa has never done laundry through the brightest, leakiest red skirt in with all of their white laundry. And now all they have is fluffy white pink. Have you ever done laundry this bad? I don't think so. I did. I do think that I was a late learner, but mm. I, I, by the time I finally did it, I think I, you know what? It was probably enough TV that yeah. I had watched that I, I knew not to do this and also not fill the dishwasher with the wrong kind of soap. So your kitchen right. floods with uh, all like bubbles. But then you have a fun foam dance rave in the kitchen. So you should do that one. But what's, what's annoying about this, uh, it's always perfectly fluffy pink. Everything yeah. is fully... That looks so much better than what happens in real life, where it's just like shitty piss tie-dye of pinkish red shit. Right. Uh, and then Marissa doesn't have a job, and Marissa stares at Alex like Alex is insane for ass- acting like Marissa should be doing chores uh, or get a job or, I don't know, contribute at all. But no, it's not, like, they're not having drama in the OC, oh my god, we were, we're lovers but also cousins sort of soap opera way. They're having drama. Like, they immediately went from, isn't this hot, isn't this fun, to a uh, married couple of 20 years. Like, right. they are closer to Sandy and Kiki than they uh, were to Alex oh, and Marissa last sure. episode. And what I love is last episode, Marissa was like, you know what? I can't hang out. I'm going to take out the trash to show she's learned a lesson. And uh-huh. then now we, like, flash. No, she hasn't because she's a rich kid who's never done anything in her life. She's learned no lessons. I bet if we watched her take out the trash, she made it halfway. She poured it all over the ground. And then, like, she just texted on her phone for 10 minutes. She just smeared it, the trash water around with her foot. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, let's dive into what's going on with Sandy and Cal. Ryan. Mike. A thing I neglected to mention in the intro, in the bre- our breakfast nook, is uh, Kirsten has lost her ring. And she doesn't know where to find it. Uh, and they both just assume it fell down the drain. Why is well, that the first assumption? Uh, yeah, Kirsten, Sandy notices that uh, Kirsten's finger is bare. It says, oh, where's your ring? And she's like, oh, I don't know, uh, gardening or washing dishes. And Sandy immediately jumps to, fell down the drain. Uh-huh. Uh, doesn't think about, oh, man, that's a weird coincidence that I just did all that shit with Rebecca and the ring is gone. 
it has to go it has to have gone down the drain now is uh to pull back the curtain a little show a little like uh you're somebody who never wears their wedding ring is it to right hide from you don't want to give your wife the physical symbol that something is wrong you want to keep her on her toes always I say that it's like I, I don't I don't like jewelry and accoutrement and like I, it freaks me out and I feel choked by it. Um, that's what I say, but in reality, yeah, I have to keep the power, and the power is uh, me leaving my ring in a lockbox and then just having every single girl on the planet hit on me because they're like, "Well, no ring, here we go." <laughs> just those those OCBZs, just out for it. I've been married for two years. Nary a girl has hit on me. <laughs> no, or before that. Uh, so Sandy is freaking out in the kitchen. Cal just shows up. Uh, and as Cal does and as the OC does, he just starts talking at Sandy. Uh, and Cal says, uh, and, he, and I quote, because Sandy's already like, yeah, I'm doing something and you're a fucking evil monster. So I'm going to ignore you. Uh, and Cal says, I'm, I'm, I'm really disturbed by my daughter's departure. <laughs> and a couple things going on. One... <laughs> Are you? Are like, you? Is, is that affecting you at all? Or are you having feelings that you can't admit to? Mm-hmm. Because your real feelings of like loneliness make you seem desperate and uh, like too revealed. And so you'll just cover it with, I'm very sad that my daughter has left. Yeah, I, I believe that Cal is feeling lonely for a lot of reasons. But I do. he also says, I must tell you that I feel disturbed. And Sandy, the perfect Sandyism, uh, must you tell me? Is there not anybody else you could tell instead? Uh, and then Cal admits that he cried during a peanut butter commercial. And Sandy's like, all right, you sad piece of shit. I guess you can hang out here with me while I last, try to take the sink apart. Last night, my wife asked me, uh, who would buy creamy peanut butter? Is it only monsters? Do you back up that question? Who said that? My wife. Your wa- no, I'm your wife's mortal enemy. And there's a lot of reasons we've known that. But uh, fuck Crunchy. Are, like, so... You're like, oh, uh, you're, you were going to give me more. You were going to make it taste better and give me more of the food. But instead, no, I'm going to be a boring little fucking white male asshole bitch. It doesn't taste better. And it's not more. The jars are the same size. It's the same amount of food. But now I get more smooth creaminess on my tongue. Jesus Do you Christ. love what fucking you- pulp in your juice? You disgusting. I love chunky lemonade with peanuts in it. <laughs> That's gross. You're gross. Uh, All gross. I'm thinking is that. You're doing weird stuff with the peanut butter where Chunky, like, gets in the way. No, uh, putting it on a sandwich and eating it without hurting my gums. So, because, I think, because Cal said daughter, that's what perks Sandy up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit, kids. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of things about kids. And uh, I have no idea. I'm so dumb that I think my wife actually lost his wedding, her wedding ring. So, um, I can also do this as well. And so, they actually do sort of have a moment. Yeah, they they bond, they talk, and because we're cutting through to all the rest of the characters, it's apparently spending the day together to a point where they don't find it. They take the sink apart, don't find it. And Cal, like, apologizes. He's like, sorry, you couldn't find it or whatever. And Sandy's like, your help has been surprisingly genuine. (laughs) (laughs) He is, like, he is a robot created by some, like, stuffy ass. He's not just a stuffy asshole. He's a stuffy asshole that, like, created a robot, and this is him, Right. And then and through all of this, uh, they tell each other, as TV does, they tell each other the story they both know about their first wedding ring. Right. Uh, tell, tell the listener, what, what is this story about Kiki and Sandy getting together? Well, uh, Kirsten, much against Cal's approval, uh, decided to uh, fall in love with a dirty, probably barefooted, oh, yeah. liberal-ass, living-in-a-van hippie at Berkeley. And so there's no way that this person's going to have money. 
And so uh, he goes to an arcade and gets her a plastic ring. And I like that's adorable and blah, blah, blah. It's very TV, but it's fun and romantic. Uh, until Cal says, and she wore that ring for two years. <laughs> like, I, it's just supposed to be like for this one moment right. and then take it off and say, she wore that around for two years. But, but what that moment showed was that for a long time, it feels like the show is trying to force these two to bond and it wasn't working. And this episode, it did click because Cal isn't saying it with like gross menace. He goes, and like, it's, I think his love of Kirsten shows up. He's like, and my beautiful daughter wore that hunk of plastic on her ring for two years because you gave it to her. And there's actual warmth there towards Sandy. He said, I wish that my beautiful daughter was wearing uh, that hunk of my penis in her mouth, but I guess that ring is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's, mm-hmm. overall in the episode, Mike, this is the fucking mall episode. And it's also when we meet Carter, uh-huh. and it's also when we meet Lance. And so uh, Cal and Sandy's excellent adventure is the most <laughs> clear non-D plot in like maybe the show's history. Right. Did that bother you? Or once they went on their adventure, were you like, oh, look at this shit? I just wanted to be able to breathe every once in a while in between all the other shit. So it was really nice to just watch two people get along. There was a moment. There was a moment when they were they were talking about the ring and what to do about it, and Sandy remembers the plastic ring, mm-hmm. and then Sandy gets an idea, and the editor made it look like they both had the same idea at the same time and then ran away. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> Cal would ever be like, let's go to the nickel arcade. It should have cut to, like, on their way, Cal being like, what the fuck are we doing? Wait. Just tell me your idea. This isn't a jeweler's. <laughs> so, yeah, they, get, they go to the, the fucking skee-ball place and just put fucking pump so many dollar bills and just sandy's apparently very good at the claw machine and he keeps winning all kinds of other junk and not this shitty plastic ring but yeah i think the moment that is most important between the two of them is not sharing the same idea which they allegedly did but cal says this is stupid you're stupid everything's stupid why are we doing this and sandy says it is important to me and then cal begrudgingly like he's always an old grump but he does say in a legit way i'll go get more quarters like that's the bonding moment for them uh, and then so Sandy gives it to Kiki, uh, and she is touched by it. And then we find out that she just had the drawer, the ring in her drawer. It was all just yeah. a fucking test. It was never lost. Oh, and then they're not allowed to do dishes unless it's in the bathroom shower because he fucked up their kitchen sink so bad. She has – is this normal? She has three rings that, like, come together as one. Is that typical, I, or is that like a superhero power? I think that's a style of a superhero power. That's what the Green Lantern actually has to do to ignite. Uh, I yeah. I mean, I guess it could be engagement and wedding and twenty year bonus, or now, it's just a fun thing. I don't. I don't fucking know. And who cares? Uh, over the course of seventy, uh, 70 episodes, we have elevated Kirsten far past Seth and far even past Sandy as like the character. Does this make sense to you? Are you on Kirsten's side, or does this seem like sort of like a passive aggressive sort of shitty way to deal with things? I think after the year. In, like, one actual calendar year they've had of Rebecca, then Rachel. I think I'm I'm into Kiki being a little passive-aggressive because he kind of gaslights her, and he's like, I'm a white knight. I'm always going to keep white knighting while doing despicable shit. So, (laughs) fuck you. I'm going to hide this ring. Take her sink apart, bitch. Yeah, and I'm glad that now that uh, Rebecca's gone and Rachel's gone that they'll just be fine and no other boy or girl yeah. will enter into the story. At least they'll have they'll have at least 3 episodes where they're good, right? What if after Carter that storyline is done, uh Sandy and uh Kiki wake up in a locked mall and then they just play <laughs> hockey. 
that that's what their relationship needs uh we do have to take a break when we come back let's find out what julie and kiki are up to ryan julie and kirsten are working on their magazine which is no longer called this is how julie do or whatever the original is newport living judo judo is the perfect name for it uh for them uh, and they are trying to get a new editor, which Julie is very upset about. Because she thinks that, having just been named CEO of a huge company, something that she has never done before, and starting a magazine that she has never done before, uh, she can also be the editor-in-chief of a magazine, and she has never done that before. Uh, and her, for, th- th- I think this is why Kiki is like, I know it sucks. Somebody's making us. Th- there's apparently some money people, the publisher, whoever that is we never meet, uh, is saying no. Well, no, we have that. We-, we have the board, yeah. The board is in charge of okay, Pop Filter, yes. and they like just will make random decisions, and we don't know money. And you're I the guess. Julie, and I'm the Kirsten, and we're all fine with that, right? Uh, and Kirsten's like, I know it's the worst, but do we need to have you on the cover of every magazine, or maybe I don't know the beach or the hills? And Julie's response, because it is a local magazine, she's like, they could just go to the beach or the hills. <laughs> I guess saying they can't Was just o- go to her. <laughs> <laughs> Come see me in my face. Uh, was O the magazine out at yeah, this point? Yeah, and I like, you know what? I'm sick of how fucking easy Street Oprah's had it for decades. I like somebody's taking her down a peg. Yeah, let's take her down a little bit. Um, why not put Oprah on Newport Living? Why not put Julie fucking Cooper on Oprah's magazine, Oprah? Where are you at Where's with that? that at? One crossover episode. Do magazines have crossover episodes where they fight for a while and then uh, team yeah, up Yeah, the first half they issue the two magazines are fighting. It's all that torn pieces of paper. And then the next is just a perfect meld, how you've always wanted it. While they're having this meeting, they're not talking about that they haven't met the guy yet. We just know some like broody-looking, Neanderthal-looking motherfucker, Lance, is hunting for her. But she's like peeping out of the blinds when he's at the secretary's desk. So there's just some intrigue. Yeah, some pee-pee blinders. And then, because it's we just know two new people, I guess, are going to be in our lives. Uh, Carter shows up, uh, and he has a very impressive resume. And... Before Julie wants to like dig in Julie Cooper style, and he goes, "I don't want to be here any more than you want me here." And then she looks offended. Yes, and like she she should have the right to say, "You're an idiot, and I hate uh-huh. you. Get out." And he should say, "Oh no, please, please let me stay here." But some at some point, the board of uh, Newport Living and the Newport Company and the board of magazines. <laughs> that carter works for uh decided that this has to be a matchup we have to do this as if it was like two different kingdoms setting up a prince and princess mary he was like on studio contract from like the early 1900s and just like you're gonna work for whatever fucking magazine we tell you to work for and they're like he's pretty cool he he was the editor-in-chief of like five of the Uh biggest magazines of all time and now he's gonna come to newport living probably because he got drunk the guy's a fucking yeah it's definitely signed like he he's been eddie brocked he screwed up something huge that we don't know at the last job and is now here slumming it and he's still he's like yeah we'll sit down a couple times a week we'll grab drinks i'll get my paycheck do whatever you want with your stupid magazine nobody will ever care about and it is amazing how they gave Sandy this like uh, old flame, ex-Berkeley, liberal, uh, don't love her but got to do what's right sort of uh, person to hook up with in the last 10 episodes. And then what we get with Carter for Kiki is the adult version of the teenage version of this show. Like the floppy hair, the always drunk, like, I don't care, uh-huh. man, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm going to throw my glass of bourbon <laughs> in the fireplace. She is just getting like her dream boy 
from high school. Because I guess it's the it's the twenty year itch. All you want to do is look back. What did I like in high school? I'll try it again at forty five. So they they decided like, hey, this partnership could work out. Let's all go grab a drink. And Creeper Lance is just at the restaurant. Is there one restaurant near the Newport offices? And he just gambled that this is where they would be. Or is there like thirty Lances? <gasps> He's the multiple man. Each one at a different restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> this is how he. Instead of like fighting crime with X Factor, he uh, extorts people for being in porn. So yes, uh, he he shows that he has something to Julie. We don't get to see it yet. Uh, and then she fakes food poisoning and leaves. Kiki and Carter are just like, we'll keep staying, even though we have nothing in common and don't want to do this project together. Oh, yeah, before that, uh, uh, Julie is at the bar with Lance, and like he goes to touch her, and she's like, stop, because they're watching me, and she turns back, and Kiki and Carter are already yeah, so into each other watching. that like, they, have no, they don't give a shit, also, Juju. Also, isn't it worse if, if anybody gets up from any table? Look away. Don't fall into, f- uh, oh, are they really going to the bathroom? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Carter should have said, oh, we'll all go then. And then they all just follow each other around the restaurant. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, Kiki and Dude. Uh, Carter Bailey, is that his name? Uh, Buckley? Carter Buckley. Uh, he seems like more and more into it as the night goes on. And then he's straight up, he's like, uh, he mentions he's divorced, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, why does everybody act like somebody died? Like He does the Louis C.K. bit. Like, like only good things right. happen when you divorce somebody. And then, uh-huh. he, and then he very boldly, uh, I guess because she's not wearing a wedding ring, but still bold for, I don't know, a business relationship 10 minutes into meeting somebody. He goes, let's say I'm finding Newport a lot more interesting than I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't, uh, do you want to take off our clothes and fuck? But it, it might as well be like, there was like, that, like, that wasn't even like uh, apropos of uh. the conversation. He, he just thought that like, you know, if I say these words and raise this eyebrow, we're all going to be clear exactly what's yeah, going on. Yeah, he said, let's just say, as that was like piggybacking off of anything she was talking about at all, where she was probably <laughs> like, well, you just take the 405 to the 5 to the 55. She's just giving him direction to Disneyland. <laughs> Which is her vagina. That's what she calls her vagina. <laughs> it's the happiest place on earth. Uh, so we flash uh, to Julie's apartment, and she is watching The Porn Identity, uh, which is one of the most on-the-nose and best porn parody titles ever. Yeah, usually you use different words than nope, porn. not for these uh, guys. <laughs> I was surprised. I didn't know the born identity was this old. Uh, that shocked me. And then I also, I think before we learn what the title is, uh, Julie has the line, uh, I'm a virgin. At least I think I am. <laughs> and then, <laughs> which I've said so many times, and then sits on the bed and says, I don't know if we should have sex. I have amnesia. And then we see that it's called the porn uh-huh. identity, and they are following the plot of the born identity to, to the letter. Like they are, and I'm so it. mad we never get to see the secret agent side of her character. Right, I think Julie Cooper could pull that off. Where was the hand cam following her as she jumped out a window? And, and even though Julie is like one of the most uh, cynical, conniving characters we've come to know, and careful usually, she just every blind is open, every door in her house is wide open to the point because Alex just wanders into the room where her girlfriend's mom is watching porn. And, and she's Alex, like, that's cool. Alex is not... <laughs> Easy Saturday night, whatever. Yeah, Alex does not see Julie on the screen. That probably would have given her a different reaction. But she walks in and she's like, oh, hey, Friday night, Friday night porn watching. That's cool. And she says it in such a way that she's automatically assuming that Julie, every Friday <laughs> night, 
at 7.30 p.m. sits down and watches an entire porn film. My daughters are out to play. Caleb Stella at work. Time to crack those knuckles. Do you think that Julie watches so much porn that she thinks of like the born identity as porn parodies? Yes. Like, oh, the born identity. That's making fun of the porn that I, I was I think in. she did the full game. Well, I also think uh, this porn parody was parodying the books that came out in the 90s, not the movies. So, in her, And she didn't know that, Probably, so yeah. she did assume that. But they, I think they went the full. There's the porn ultimatum, which is what a lot of marriages <laughs> have. Uh, uh-huh. So why, why is Alex showing up? Alex has shown up is because um, she is just starting to get an inkling that maybe Marissa is not cut out for the uh, live-on-her-own lesbian relationship mm. lifestyle because she is 16 and may not be ready for this. And also she's showing up because Alex is super cool and doesn't give a shit about anybody except for Marissa. She's grown some feelings. And Marissa, in Alex's mind, is missing because uh, she's out at the mall after hours. Uh, one of the like kindest and meanest all wrapped in one Julie lines in the history of the show, and I don't know if it can beat it, because uh, it does look like she is trying to be like a motherly, kiki type towards Alex. She says, I'm not saying this to be mean, because Honey. you actually seem like a nice girl, and I, I like your pants, but you're this week's yard guy. <laughs> which is one of the most flip, rude things, and also is in line with what Seth's been doing, which is remember how great it used to be. And Julie's just saying, like, you're just the flavor of the week for Marissa. We barely remember uh-huh. the yard guy. Uh, Alex has no idea what that is, so Alex just thinks that's like a thing that Julie says about people. And Julie's very Julie in this scene. Um, she, it seems like that she almost wants to like sit down with Alex and talk shop about marissa figure some stuff out maybe like vent a little bit but she can't not julie right like she every line has like some sort of like very stinky insult my my big thing with this thing is that alex feels it all and is upset by it but then still stops and says you know what i'm just going to talk to you julie Uh Uh, the alex that i know would like punch her flipper yeah flipper off like kick open a window and run away but alex says you know what uh, I like. I'm so concerned about this that I'm gonna take her passive aggressive, not super passive, mostly aggressive bullshit, and I'm gonna actually like. I'm gonna open up to her. I, I think it's. Uh, she opened up to Sandy like eight episodes back. I, I do think Alex. It's a tough exterior. She is just looking for any adult, even cruel ones, to just to comfort her. Little Alex lives like. It's hard to fucking live as an adult as an adult. And she's doing it as 16, running an established business and trying to juggle this. I think sometimes she just needs to be a kid. That's true. The other thing, too, is that maybe she is skeptical of, like, uh, middle ground parents. You know, like, I don't know who you are because I don't, I'm not sure if you're good mm-hmm. or bad. But Sandy did such a good job of showing that he was a good dad. And Julie did such a good job of showing that she's a bad mom that, like, she's comfortable with right. the extremes. Because at least you know where they're coming from. <laughs> Right. You, like, I'm not, you're not going to fuck me over. Uh, I know exactly what to expect from you because you're good or bad. And, and so that with, uh, with these three big characters, with Kirsten and Julie and Alex, this is kind of wrapping up what they're all about this episode and is just setting up for a blaze of glory. Yes? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that like, when people like Carter and Lance come in, we can or- almost sort of see that in the next episode, people like Alex are going mm-hmm. to leave. Um, which I think is a shitty trade-off. I like. Yeah, I think Olivia Wilde's awesome, and Lance and Carter suck. But yeah, uh, 
Alex's time, the writers, I think, all figured out in a much better way than they did with Oliver that Alex's storyline has, you know, it's We've time done all we can here. Uh, Ryan, I know you hate that tone of voice. No, no, no. Okay, so this episode is called The Mall Episode, and we have to talk about The Mall, We don't Mike. have time. No, no, we just don't, don't no, have time. Don't you, don't you fucking do it. Don't this you was do all it. episode. Next week is all mall. We'll dig into what the kids are up to and their wacky antics at the mall next week. Uh, God damn it. Until then, I want to say thank you to the Hall of Phonics. Thank you to you, Ryan. Thank you to Josh Schwartz and his whole crew. Did we do commercials on this show? I don't remember. I don't. Do you want to put them in the in the middle, or do you want Just to do them do right them. now? Just talk about a website. Me right now. <laughs> all right, yourpopfilter.com is our home mother website. That's where you can get all of the podcasts that we do. Please go to patreon.com/yourpopfilter. Help us out a little bit. If you uh, get on a plan or a tier, then you'll get extra stuff, and we really appreciate it. Yourpopfilter.com/amazon should be your new Amazon bookmark. If you do that, we can get money, but then you don't have to like get extra stuff if you don't like that. Some of the other podcasts that we do are Superhero Hour Hour. Go to your podcatcher of choice and please subscribe, rate, and review Superhero Hour Hour and Movie of the Year, one that talks about not TV shows that are not about superheroes. Follow us on Twitter at your pop filter. Uh, email us at contact at your pop filter. Mike, is there anything no, else? No, I, I didn't expect you to just. <laughs> you said do them I know, all. I didn't realize that would turn you into an auctioneer. Just doing. <laughs> Thank you. Was it? Was it completely unintelligible? No, I, I, think I go to a lot of auctions, so I understand. I, I raised my little numbers a few times. Uh, thank you for doing that. So though. you speak auction. Yeah, I speak auction. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the mall and getting to the awards. Until then, stay gay, dads, and get me those Green Lantern JPEGs. Late tro. California! California!